Hello, and welcome to the Yearly Comics Spotlight on the Comic Book Page Podcast. My name is John Mayo. In this episode, we'll be spotlighting our favorite comics of the year. As with the Weekly Comic Spotlight, we'll be using DC, Marvel, and others as our main categories. We'll keep major spoilers to a minimum, but we may discuss general plot points and storylines of the comics we review. Welcome to part two of Yearly Comics Spotlight number 16, covering 2022. In part one, we covered the questions around comics, creators, publishers, and comic-related movies and television shows. In this part, we'll cover the questions about 2022 and what the listeners thought of this past year of the Comic Book Page podcast. All right, now moving on to questions about 2022 overall. First question, what did you think was the biggest news story of the year for comics? Yeah, what did you think it was? I'll be honest, I didn't really, you know, rack my brain too hard on this. I have a definite recency bias on this, and I'm sure there's some stuff earlier in the year that that may well count. I mean, on the one hand, you could argue George Perez passing was certainly a big deal. I don't think it was the biggest news story of the year for comics, although it was tragic and unfortunate or whatever. Yeah. For me, it's the story that has been kind of simmering all year long, really, I think, kind of came out at the the end of the year, blurring into the new year, of a, a potential really serious financial crisis in comics, with some publishers not paying creators, stores struggling to survive post-pandemic, yeah, and, you know, things just not being financially sound. I feel like that, too. It feels like we went through the 90s all over again, into the early 2000s. Where like Spawn became one of the biggest comics and variant covers, and it feels like things are getting ready to correct pretty harshly. Well, I, I I was shocked when I was really going through the latest round of DC solicits for the preview spotlight and how everything had you know variant covers, incentive covers, and there was like if it was a hardcover or trade, it probably didn't have those, but every comic did. And I'm like, man, if DC is leaning on that because they have to. When that bubble bursts or pulls back or whatever, that's going to be hard on them. Yeah, it could be not good. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what's funny? I put that as an aside. You know, we had Neil Adams and George Perez die, but I don't mm. think those are the biggest stories. I think the biggest thing, and it kind of ties into what you're saying, but one of the things I think is going to impact the industry, DC going to the one-month delay on their Infinite Unlimited Ultra, whatever it's called. I think that sparked me to reevaluate because I cut back some DC. I'm still getting some DC because I can read it on on Unlimited. And I don't always go and read it on Unlimited, but if it's something that I'm not sure of, I'm not going to take the risk. And how many people are like me or their their collections, 25,000 or in your case, 70,000 are like, ah, I could just get it digitally and just sort through and organize what I have, and just read it this way. I think that's going to have a big impact on what you're saying with the industry. I think we're going to talk about this a little bit more when we get to my pick for predictions for next year. Oh, interesting. <laughs> All right. Well, back to you then, John. <laughs> okay. So, listener picks. Nick's picks. In-person comic book experience seems to be doing well after two years of the pandemic kept most conventions and gatherings stunted. Uh, he doesn't go to them, but several in the, the comic news sphere have commented on the return to somewhat more normal experiences. Even some of his friends have attended their first convention this past year. 
Additionally, uh, his local comic shop seems to be doing really well with their gaming nights and special celebrations. They regularly get new batches of back issues that keep customers browsing the stock rooms. Very cool. That's great to hear. I've got some friends. They've gone to a couple of conventions, had a good time. There have been a few earlier in the year where it's like, yeah, you're supposed to be masked. And most people were. There were a few others a little later in the year where you were supposed to be masked. And most people were not. Whether we're at the stage of the pandemic that the masks aren't needed anymore or not, I'm not a doctor. I'm not going to weigh in on that. But I think, you know, keeping everybody safe and healthy, whatever it takes, within reason and such, something to think about. But yeah, two years without conventions and stuff, I'm glad that's over. Yeah, I agree. I don't have any convention plans for, at the moment. And that's partially because of allocating my, my vacation days at work to other things and partially not wanting to go be around, you know, 120,000, you know, comic book fans in San Diego or whatnot. Yeah. And a lot of what those conventions were doing for me in the past, they weren't doing over the last couple of years pre-pandemic. Pandemic kind of broke the habit for me. So I'm not going to say I'm never going to go to a convention again. I'm certainly planning on it. I just not immediately. That makes sense. All right. Comic Freak. Image Comics turns 30. Ah, cool. Yeah, they did. That means I roughly collect comics for 30 years, starting with Spawn number one and Gen 13 number one, which led to expanding to collecting other Image series and subsequently other indie comics and some of the big two. Wow. He started with Image as a wow. collector. Wow. Interesting. Well, in 30 years for Image, I mean, that, that really puts some stuff into perspective. It really does. It doesn't seem like that long ago. <laughs> it does and it doesn't. Yeah. Now, Drew's is really interesting. Uh, NFTs implode as imaginary investments. Yeah, that, that was the biggest. I felt like, yeah, it, it did implode. People put so much money into that stuff and lost it all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think crypto is, it's going to be interesting to see what state that's in, you know, in a year or two when all of the, 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 the cyber dust settles on this or whatever. Yeah, it'll be a completely different landscape. What I find hilarious, I'm getting like weekly emails from DC of here's the new virtual, you know, NFT of this, that, or the other comic. You're kidding me. No. <laughs> That's hilarious. They're limited to like three or 4,000 copies, 50 of which <laughs> go to like the dev team and, and stuff like that, or comps or whatever. The rarity is randomly assigned, which I'm not even sure entirely what they mean by that. I'm I'm sorry. Dark Crisis number one, I don't need another copy of it, and I certainly don't need an NFT copy of it. <laughs> I'm not even sure if these are readable NFTs. <laughs> I will state here, I will never own NFT. I, I just won't. <laughs> I have no need. I think I own one. I certainly did not pay for it. Oh, you got one. It was hey. one that I forget how it, it got into my, my possession or whatever. Possession <laughs> is if I physically own it in any way, shape, or form. That's hilarious. It's a non-entity in so many levels for me. So Drew is totally right that the NFT imploding, I think, is a big deal in terms of, of a collectability revenue that is drying up, yet people are starting to cash in, you know, company-wise on it. It's like, yeah, good timing. <laughs> okay, Chris Myers, I don't follow a lot of the news, but I suppose it could be the financial troubles of the various publishers. You spoke on that. It's happening. Yeah, and... What worries me is we're seeing it at both ends of the, the spectrum in terms of the publishers and the content creation side are having issues. Yeah. The stores on the distribution and, and getting stuff out side are having issues. We've already shattered the monolith of, of Diamond. 
So it's not what it once was. And Lunar and, and Penguin Random House, I'm not going to say that how financially stable they are or not. Don't know, don't care. But there are pros and cons to having those as different things in terms of if one goes under, there's at least two others to pick up the pieces. But it also means any one of the three is not as strong as it would have been, you know, in it prevents the industry acting in a unified manner. Lunar is not as strong as Diamond when they had everything. And Penguin Random House is probably way stronger, but that's because of all the books they do. <laughs> but does that mean that their comic section is that strong? Or no, could it be no, like Comixology, a division of Amazon? Amazon's not in trouble. Well, I mean, maybe not. Maybe they are. Yeah, the comics are a division of that. that it's just a rounding error for them, pretty much. Yeah. All right. Nicholas J., so many people in comics or related media passed away, having seen too many tribute pages in the comic in the pages of my comics the past few years. So sad. You know, I'm glad he mentioned that because it feels like every week in Marvel or DC, there's an in memoriam page. Somebody new has died. It's Carlos Pacheco this month. Oh and then, yeah, tragic. And and then next week it'll be someone else. It, it, some of them, I, I'm like, I don't even remember this person, but. Wow, it, it seems like they're all passing away. Well, and there are some that are of that age where, yeah, it's more likely to happen. There are some, and I mean, I've got to give George Perez a ton of credit for the way he handled his his diagnosis and prepping his fan base for his passing. Yeah, he, that was awesome. And he handled that with such grace and dignity. Which doesn't surprise me in the least, having met the man, having having been a fan of his for, for decades. And to to see that, know that was coming, and then, you know, it seems again, every other week we're getting, you know, oh, this person just, you know, passed away, whether over a long illness that they were fighting that we didn't know about, or, you know, just surprisingly, you know, kind of a deal. It's it does seem like there's a lot more of it right now than there there usually is. Yeah, it does. It seems like there's a, a heck of a lot. It's disappointing because yeah, you read an epi- an issue, and sometimes you don't even know. You're like, oh my gosh, they passed away. Yeah, wow. yeah. I like it when they give pretty good credits for what they've done. Yeah, that's that's cool. Because there was one that was just mentioned in Slack last week, and it's like I couldn't place the name, but I'm looking at it on I forget which website, and it's like, oh, did some of this, did some of this. Oh yeah, I guess I have seen some of his work. All right, there he is. Huh. Yeah. Okay, finally, Dr. Moe, the Warner Brothers Discovery merger continues to impact DC Comics, particularly the film and television projects. Yeah, they canceled everything. <laughs> well, it's funny now that the, the CW has to be, what do they call it again? Oh, yeah, profitable. Got to make money, not lose it or whatever. I, I think we were hitting the point where the Arrowverse stuff was getting a little long in the tooth in some people's eyes. I certainly was still enjoying it, that that wasn't helping it, but scrapping a basically completed Batwoman film. It's still going forward with the the, the Flash movie and such. It, it's going to be funny that uh, Ezra Miller was announced as the Flash between, I think, episodes one and two of the, the Flash TV series. And it will, I think, have completed its ninth season before the movie's actually released. Yeah. Wow. Just different pace. Very different pace. I definitely think that that merger has had a lot of impact on the movie and TV stuff. I'm thankful it hasn't seemed to have had too much impact on the comics. Granted, we've had a few rounds of, of layoffs and stuff over the last year or whatnot at, at DC Comics. Yeah, let's hope there's not too much of a downturn on the comic side, because that could be revisited if that happens. Well, I can't help but think the turnover in people at uh, DC is why they're now realizing, oh, we can make money if we do all these variant covers. 
And then we'll have to learn the lesson of that works until it doesn't. Yeah, that works for a period of time until people are like, eh. One day, those people who buy all the variant covers just stop buying them. Yep. And then you just have all this excess inventory. Once you burn that base out, it yeah. It's gone. Yeah. <laughs> On to the next question. Yeah. All right. Question eight. Highlights of the year. Mine is pretty simple. I mean, I'm sure there was more highlights, but what came to mind? I felt like DC was making good changes and good strides at the end of the year. So I so I went with Jeff Johns and Mark Wade are back at DC. And I think that is going to have a big impact for them as far as like having some quality books. And I'm hoping Mark Wade takes more of a leadership role in steering and almost architecting the future. I don't know how much of a role he's going to take because he's still, I think, publisher at Humanoids. But I, I'm hoping that he does good things over there and that Jeff Johns, I, th- I think they have two of the more positive, upbeat writers on the major titles right now, and that's a good thing. I would agree with that. So much so that my answer is Jeff Johns and Mark Wade returning to DC. That's hilarious. Oh my gosh. <laughs> if if those two can play nice with each other, and by all things I can tell, they, they seem to be doing fine. I got no reason to think they can't. Man, they could be such a creative powerhouse behind DC. Because I think they intrinsically get what works about DC, both now and in the past, and what worked in the past may not work now, and why, and and how to revive things without throwing the baby out with the bathwater. I agree. We we went from a universe that was being architected by Williamson, Joshua Williamson, to I feel like it's going to be these two going forward, and I feel like DC will be in better hands because of that. Well, I mean, what Mark Wade's doing over on the Batman Superman World's Finest stuff, those stories are set a few years in the past, and he's kind of, I don't want to say retconning, but redefining the past of, of DC, re-emphasizing certain parts, Doom Patrol, like we got Metamorpho coming up, some things like that, and really re-anchoring the backstory of DC that was just thrown out with the New 52 reboot. Yeah, it was just a mess. So... I'm really hoping we get some great stuff out of them. That is so funny we picked the same thing. (laughs) I really hope those two have had a chance to really weigh in on what seems like a push in 2023 of the Titans coming back to the forefront. I agree. Because if they are architecting that and doing it, I think it'll be done right. And it won't come off as ham-fisted or anything like that. I just, I worry because of the travesty that was Titans Academy. (laughs) Yeah. I remember you telling me about that. So on to the listener picks? Yeah. All right. First, we got Nick. He said, my highlight of comic publishing in 2022 was the recent move by DC Infinite to add the Ultra level with a one-month release window on new books. It's finally the time scale that has made me shift from new reading to digital. He's one of them. See, I'm not yeah. the only one. Although I will still buy my all, all my favorite comics physically, three changes will allow me to keep with more of the peripheral series. My personal comic book highlights of 2022 was continuing to add to my Joe Palooka collection. I don't know who Joe Palooka is, but I've heard the name. It's been a fun run to piece together. It's a Golden Age and Silver Age series about a boxer, for those unfamiliar with the character. I was not familiar, so very cool. I think that one-month release window is is a game-changer, and there are a couple of things that they are doing day-and-date release. Yeah, like and, they seem to be doing with Stargirl and JSA. Which is insane. Those are top tier books. Yeah. And it impacted me and it impacted him. And that's just, look, we, we didn't have many, that many people responding to this. Think about across the country how many people have been impacted by it. 
I think that's going to have a big, a bigger impact than we think. I think it's definitely a game changer. Yeah. Well, on to Drew. Or no, I mean, sorry, Comic Freak. The excellent The Return of Mike Allred and Peter Milligan's comic at Marvel. I really liked their previous X-Force Ecstatics run and was disappointed when it ended. And recently read the 2023 There'll Be Another miniseries. Nice. Very cool. Glad he's enjoying it. I read some of the early X-Force Ecstatics stuff. It's just a different take on some of the mutants than, than I was looking for, but that's just a solid creative team. They, they, yeah. they work well together. I like him, Mike Allred. I, I really like him. Drew, I read another 1,000 plus comics this year. Some were great, but most of them were pretty good. All right, cool. And then Chris Myers, for me, it's D- DC Infinite Ultra because, all right, I had to let my DC Infinite subscription expire, but Ultra enticed me back in. Very cool. Yeah. So we got another digital. Re- and Chris, by the way, is all digital. He did, buys everything digital. He doesn't buy any physical books. Can't say that I blame him. I think if I were getting into comics now, I would do all digital. Yeah. I mean, it, you think about it, Chris has no – the expense is way less. The organization is minimal. Well, the organizational challenge is different. Yeah. You, you don't have the, the weightlifting of the boxes and the physical sorting and such. No, you just the have to find searching it. searching on their stuff sucks. <laughs> on the DC one, it's really bad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Nicholas J. Axe Judgment Day. Very cool. I'm glad he liked it. because. Axe was, for me, it was good, not great. I liked the way it started, and then it changed on me after the first issue. I it was like. a bit of a swing and a miss for me, but I'm glad he enjoyed it. Yeah, that, that me too, because I was expecting a good, we're going to do this, and then it completely pivoted to something different. Okay, Dr. Mo, Image Comics turning 30 years old. Ah, there you go, Image Comics. And I think that is a big deal, because it would not have been that out of you know, far out of the imagination, for Image to have lasted a few years and then just flounder. Yeah. And go away. You know, Like you a look, lot of publishers do. Yeah. A ton of other publishers have gone that route. So the fact that they've kept it going, had some, not just, you know, not just like they've kept it going, but just barely or whatever. I mean, they've never really had a point where it's like, wow, I'm surprised it's still publishing. There are a couple of titles I was surprised were still publishing, you know, Savage Dragon, Larson was publisher and stuff, only got an issue or two out. But Image has always been a solid publisher out there with maybe not material I was particularly excited in, but stuff that people were excited in. Yeah. So 30 years of that and going strong, a lot to be said for that. Very, yeah. That's that's a long time. <laughs> a lot more can be said for that than was, when did that, that one shot that one of the guys from Image came out with? One shot. Uh, where it was the uh, official image timeline that came out this year. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Was uh, was that Sylvester? I can't remember. And that was weird. Was it Sylvester or was it? No, who was that? I can't remember. But they totally left out some stuff. <laughs> oh man, like, it was, young it was Valentino exist. who did that. Valentino and Youngblood didn't even exist. <laughs> it was a very cursory look at thirty years of history. Yeah, that was. Uh, there was some vitriol in that writing. <laughs> I think getting a comic out of that versus, you know, I think that at least a good size book could be done uh, on image, not by me, of course, because I really didn't read all all of that stuff. And it's just, it's not targeted for me. By but the I mean, way, there's so much material there to talk about. Some inside baseball on that. I That comic was either created, I think it was created right after Rob Liefeld had started his podcast. And I think he was upset with some of the things Rob had said. 
you about think? the founding of image and the, oh, yeah. the egos. And then he came out with this revised history where you don't even exist, Rob. <laughs> Your book is gone. <laughs> I was hoping for a lot more out of that official image timeline than I got. It was a disappointment. Yeah. All right. All right. Next question. Yeah. How would you sum up this past year for the decade in review? Now, I, I ask this out of purely selfish reasons because, if nothing else, it forces me to kind of put together a, a log line for the year. Because when we get to the end of the 2020s, the pandemic hopefully is going to be so far in the rearview mirror that we're, oh, yeah, that happened. And, you know, this year for me, a lot of ups and downs, but I really think the, the defining thing for the year, certainly the later part of the year, was just the release date chaos. Yeah. <laughs> Solicitations and Marvel previews being out of sync. DC ship dates are varying a little each week, such that it's resulting in some weeks I'm getting no DC comics, other weeks I'm getting two. Street dates are just not a thing anymore. No, it's very true. And I think that really speaks to the fracturing and splintering of the comic experience. I agree with you. Well, I'm curious what you think about mine. So I was looking at the year in whole, not just the end of the year. And I said, what summed that up? It was like DC was in limbo for much of the year. Yeah. Marvel Marvel started waning at the end of the year, I felt like. Small publishers were on the brink. End of the stimulus gold rush. Yeah. Because I think that's that end of the stimulus gold rush and the rising interest rates is what's going to push this to over kind of over the, you know, break the straw that broke the camel's back. I think that's what's led to a lot of the current financial woes. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, back when we had the pandemic and right afterwards and all that, people were allowed to defer their mortgages. Mm-hmm. People were, were not paying rent, didn't have to pay rent in a lot of places. Beyond the stimulus that you got from the federal government, there was like counties and states that were giving stimulus stuff. For, there was deals from this, deals from that. And they were there's actually money that was being given to people with children, like additional payments yeah. every month. All that's gone. And so now you're seeing the tightening of the belt. And that, that, that's, that's where the, the back issue prices went through the roof. Everything did. The used car prices went through the roof. And now people are like, ah, I can't pay that anymore. I watched a video, and I forget how early into the pandemic it was, but it was around the times of the, the stimulus and stuff like that. And it was about some people that had been thinking about doing some stuff on YouTube and, and, and that kind of stuff. And because their regular work just dried up and stopped, they had the the stimulus stuff. They decided to lean into that and just, okay, now's the time we're going to go try that. See if we can make a go of it. Kind of, a, we've, we've got uh, effectively the funding to do it, so to speak. Not specifically for that, but to, to pay their bills in the meanwhile. Yeah. And I think that was an interesting decision. I'm not going to say if it was right or wrong. I don't know the particular circumstances. But I do think that decisions were made at various points in the pandemic and stuff that are having long-term repercussions that we're starting to really feel. And everything from when comics stopped being distributed for a while, that's what led to the multiple distributors and such. That's what led to, I think, on the Marvel side at one point, they'd gone from six months down to three months simply because if they hadn't done that, they'd have had a couple of months with no new comics in the digital system. Yep. So, you know, the the cause-and-effect relationship on some of this is just wild. Yeah, it's insane. Yeah. All right, let's go for the listener picks. Yeah. From Nick's picks, I don't speculate on comic book collecting, but I do enjoy hearing the various content creators 
running down the market trends. 2022 will definitely go down as the year that the pandemic speculation bubble burst. Vintage collectible prices drifted back towards long-term averages. While new comic publishing continued to hit several speed bumps through the year, the cooling speculator market has brought prices back towards more uh, affordability for the casual collector. There, I agree with him. <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely think we're out of that point where everybody's been stuck at home so long that they, they need more things. Yeah. And now they can go out, they can go enjoy a concert, a meal out, a convention or whatever. It's it's changing how money's getting spent. Yep. I'm I'm not spinning it on a Bronze Age comic. <laughs> comic Freak, a forgettable year. I can't think of a single comic story that I can remember, so it has to be a forgettable year. When making this post, I thought of something. Not a highlight, but a sad note. The passing of several well-known creators, George Perez, Neil Adams, Kevin O'Neill, to name a few. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, and that that, you know, it's funny, a forgettable year in terms of like he said, some of the stories, stories very much were. Yeah. And there's other parts we'd like to forget. Yeah, it's true. I mean, definitely some sad aspects to the year. There really were. All right, Drew. Marvel stopped publishing anything interesting, focusing instead on more cash grab shenanigans. My pull list from the House of Ideas has now shrunk to single digits. I wouldn't say they're not publishing anything interesting, but cash grab shenanigans? Yeah, I, I definitely see that. I should have shrunk my, my reading of Marvel more than I did. Yeah, I, I, I would agree with that. But more, most of my recent cuts have been Marvel because it was making up a bigger chunk of what I was reading. It's 40% of what I'm reading, and that's something I need to pay more attention to in terms of I'm getting more Marvel than I should be. Yeah. I'm, I'm of a mindset right now to, to whittle my reading down to those things that I'm really enjoying. And if it's one that there's not another reason to get it, get rid of it. Yeah, uh, that's the, the, the same attitude I've taken. Chris Myers, I think 2022 is a year of transition as we come out of the pandemic. True. Very true. Yeah, I would agree with that. Nicholas J, reading only the solicits, it seems the DC have four to five different ongoing crisis storylines. <laughs> I'm just not going there again. In other news, X-Men is great. <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome, Nicholas. <laughs> he's not wrong. No, he's not. <laughs> We literally had a flashpoint beyond going on while Dark Crisis was going on. It's like it's like two crises are happening at the same time. Well, and I think part of what made that feel even more was you had Justice League Incarnate yep. that was kind of bridging the gap between Infinite Frontier, zero to Infinite Frontier, one through six, that leaded into the Flashpoint Beyond, which is leading into the JSA stuff. It, it feels like a perennial crisis. Yeah, it does. We need to give Crisis a little rest now. With Dawn of, of DC going on, and they're going to try and reinvent all the, the titles. Which, did I not at one point suggest that, you know, if I were to take over DC, it's like, okay, let's let's focus on fixing this character and stuff. And once we've got that kind of moving and going along, let's, let's move on to the next. Get that yeah. going and move on to the next. That's exactly what they're doing over at the Dawn of DC. They're going to do it here. Here's a redo of this. Or not a redo, but like, let's fix it. Let's fix Superman. Then let's fix Batman. A retrenching, a repositioning, whether it's a redo, a reboot, who cares? Yeah. It's a, a focus the effort, shore this area up, and then hopefully you don't need to, to cycle back to it too soon. Yeah. Dr. Mo, trying to get back to normal despite the pandemic continuing to be an ongoing concern. Yeah, I think we're transitioning out of the pandemic. But that's not to say the pandemic is over. I agree. And I think that's that's 
hopefully something we can continue transitioning out and don't wind up kind of back in the thick of it. So that would suck. Yeah, yeah, that would suck. I, I'm just hoping for no new viruses. No new viruses, please. <laughs> no new viruses, but I've been hearing about more people I know of having had coronavirus in the last month than I had over most of the last year. Yeah, it, it's everyone. My parents have caught it. Everyone's, yeah. Yeah. And China's back open, so they're just getting exposed for the first time to the most contagious ones. So mm. eesh, with no immunity on their side. <laughs> yeah. Question number 10. Yeah. Okay. Prediction for next year. This is not about the pandemic at this point. <laughs> All right. My prediction for next year, honestly, will be more small publishers are going to disappear in 2023. I think heavy metals on the brink. I think Valiant's on the brink. I think there's other publishers that may not survive. And I think manga and comics will correct with the economy. Just like the back issues and comics kind of exploded, Western comics. Manga went crazy too. You couldn't find it on bookshelves. You couldn't find anything. That was as much to do about the stimulus and all that stuff. People, mm-hmm. nothing to do. I think that's all coming back down to reality because the, the shelves are filling up again and people aren't just taking it all. So I think you'll see a correction on both ends as far as the output and the amount, the dollar amounts that are being spent. I agree with that entirely. I think my answer hits that from a, a, a particular vantage point, but I, I agree with you overall. Okay. There are publishers that are at risk, and we've got enough of them now, and the, the the distributor situation, the retailer situation is such that any one piece going under could really reverberate very nasty across the industry and, and cause more problems and such, just like we saw in, in the early 90s. Yeah, it, it takes one thing. It, DC, we're hoping didn't didn't kill their comics publishing with this one month release i'm hoping they didn't do it (laughs) well that comes to my answer and that's i think we may see digital comics shift to subscription services over a pay-per-issue model uh, particularly with comiXology you know merging into the kindle app or whatever exactly is going on with comiXology yeah i can see that that's the trend with everything everything's going subscription-based versus one-time purchase and i think dc really kind of egged that on with the ultra tier and, and cutting the, the, the time cycle down. I'm a little surprised we haven't heard any rumblings of Marvel doing the same thing. But if both of those, even if Marvel's still at the three months, that may be enough for some people to say, you know what, if I'm going to go digital DC, I'm going to go digital Marvel. Sure, i got to wait a little longer, but it's not like the two cross over, so who cares? Suddenly, instead of getting hundreds of dollars out of some of the, the bigger readers and stuff a month, they're getting what 10 tops 20 bucks yeah 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 10 15 I, the the finances i don't think they work as a subscription model because i don't think you're likely to have a big enough subscriber base to fund the content creation the way certainly i don't think it was being funded by the comicsology sales numbers it's a tenth of what the print sales were and the print sales basically sucked yeah. the last i looked and it's been a while so i think we're at a point where Buying individual digital issues, that's going to be less and less of a, a, a thing. It's still going to be out there, but I think it's less and less of a financial revenue stream. I don't think the subscription service is going to make up for that. And I think that's going to really, if it catches on and people decide to, to shift to digital comics that way, it could really paralyze and cripple the industry. Yeah, I agree, I agree with you completely. Well, on to our listener picks for the predictions for next year. Nick says, I predicted in the past that some of these mid-range publishers wouldn't be bought out by the bigger companies, 
but recent events suggest a few like Aftershock will simply just close shop over the next the new year. The streaming wars have not been too kind to comic pitches as the services tighten their belts, and I expect there to be fewer offers for properties like Canto or Oblivion Song in 2023. You know, that's an interesting comment there at the end in terms of, I think some creators were holding out for the the streaming dollars or the movie dollars, the TV dollars or whatever, and that's tightening up big time. It is. It is. I I noticed that Mark Millar, something happened where he was, you know, helping out with the production of the shows or something, it, it, he kind of trickled comics out. And now we haven't seen any of his shows released on Netflix, and he's writing comics hand over fist. So I don't know, something changed there in that dynamic. Well, Jupiter's Legacy just didn't do, I think, what they expected it to do. It just, yeah, flopped. Magnificently flopped. And I don't think they're willing to take that kind of risk. And so he's back to just cranking comics right now. So yeah, I, I think anyone who's expecting the Hollywood money in any shape or form It's not there as much as it was just a year or so back. And I think Nick's point that publishers like Aftershock, it's not like they've got a library necessarily to sell because a lot of it's creator-owned stuff. Yeah, they're just going to shut down potentially. Yeah, like when's the last time we heard something from TKO? They just – they're gone, disappeared. I don't even know if they exist anymore. You know, they come out with a quarterly round, but they only came out with like three rounds and then stopped. I don't remember the last time we heard from them. Yeah. I think they're just gone and and because they're – not in the previous. We don't even know. I mean, I, they could be publishing stuff. We just never hear it. I'm finding a lot fewer things in the the main section of previews than I used to. Yeah, me too. Me too. It's just like, I think things are correcting, it, correcting a lot. I think they're overcorrecting. I, I, I agree. I think we're going to hit a dry spell where even if you've got some indie creator who's got some great work, they're going to have a problem getting it to market. Yeah. Nobody's going to be buying it. And they're like, uh and who knows when things come back a little bit, maybe they'll sell it and they'll be like, wow, that's awesome. <laughs> I don't think anyone's going to buy it, not only at the consumer level, but at the middle tiers of the, the retailers and the distributors. That's true, too. Yeah. So I think it's going to be rough for a while. Yeah. And, and I honestly think these Kickstarter things, which everyone's gone to Kickstarters now, you know, you can get a single issue comic just back it for 20 bucks. Uh, that's not sustainable. I'm not doing that. I have done that. I've actually done that recently, and it's because I know the creator. I know he's going to deliver. Yeah. But is it cost-effective for me? No. I I did it on a trade paperback with uh, Matt Hawkins, and they're few and far between. And it, but I've seen single issue comics, twenty pages, and they want twenty bucks to get the physical copy. Yeah, I can't afford that. See ya. I'm out. No, not doing it. Yeah. I'd rather not. I'm going digital at this point. Okay, on to Comic Freak, or Eric. For the last couple of years, manga is selling better than regular comics, and I think this will keep happening, at least until comics will start entertaining again instead of lecturing the reader about all the kinds of important issues. (laughs) It's entertainment, and we get enough lectures during all other things during the day. I understand where he's coming from. You don't want to feel spoken to or... Yeah. I mean, in comics... Comic books that we read right now, you're looking at Marvel DC core readers, you know, they're in their 40s, 50s, 60s. They grew up and the world's changing and it's hard to change. It really is. And so I I, I understand. Oh, oh, and in the last month, the payment problems turned up and I think it'll be happening in 2023. Sorry, that was on the next line. (laughs) Yeah, I I think the payment problems are definitely going to continue. And I think the comics need to be entertaining versus championing. Social issues? Yeah. I and mean, if they want to do that too, 
that's fine. But if that's what the story's about, then that's not cool. I start to lose interest. Yeah, yeah. If you feel like you're trying to push an agenda and not make it even entertaining or whatever, I, you, now you're alienating and gone. I'm not reading it. See ya. <laughs> yeah. All right. Next up, Drew. Yearly comic spotlight poll will be three questions. <laughs> I'm not quite sure how to take that. <laughs> you know, Drew wants us to record seven hours again. Because <laughs> uh, this one was so small. That's why. Uh, Drew, have mercy on us, please. Please don't abuse us. We've been going for about two hours as, as we record this. So just say it. Yeah. All right. Chris Myers, more financial concerns for the comic business. We talked about that and I agree wholeheartedly. Yeah. Nicholas, fewer but better titles one can always dream. I'm hoping for that too, Nicholas. I would love fewer and better. I think if they can focus on fewer comics and genuinely get better comics and better readership levels and engagement out of it, that would benefit them so much and then lead them to grow and lose sight of it all again. I agree. Dr. Mo, consolidation of comic book publishers and or several publishers going out of business. I agree with that. Too much product and not enough readers. True. Also, the X-Men line is not going to completely shift away from the Krakoa era, more of a hybrid approach. And actually, I, I know what he's saying about that because you're seeing the Krakoa thing going on, but you're seeing like the stories from the past, the retro stories, and some other things that are outside of Krakoa. So I, I, I see him, what he's talking about with that. There's not that much going on out of Krakoa because, I mean, there's Extreme X-Men and what else? I, I think it was the Chris Claremont had some- That's the Extreme series. X-Men. Oh, that was it. Oh, God. Okay, I thought he was doing something else. Never mind. Okay, so Extreme X-Men. So he's expecting more of that hybrid. Okay. It seems like it's a hard to do a hybrid approach. I'm not against it. I, I think it could be very good. I'd like to see X-Men being you know, heroic versus their own little island colony. Unless he's saying like the mutants who have gone to space, maybe they're not going to be on Krakoa. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah, it's still part of the Krakoa era is the thing. It's it is. I guess to me, it's if we had stuff on Krakoa, yet we also still had like the X-Men mansion and more of a classic approach. And if they can pull that off, more power to them. Yeah, I agree. So we'll, we'll see what happens with that. I, I do worry that the consolidation of publishers, more so because several go out of business, is a very real possibility. I, I think it's very real. Very, very real. And we're seeing it happen. Aftershock was the first. I can't believe Valiant's still in business. <laughs> yeah. One, one comic a month. You can't publish that way. Yeah. All right. Next question. This is about the Comic Book Page podcast. I really should edit uh, the questions a little better. It's what was Ben? It's what has been your favorite back issue spotlight and what suggestions do you have for future back issue spotlights? I like what was Ben. <laughs> me English be good. <laughs> <laughs> for me, man, I went through all the ones we did this year and we did quite a few. We did, I think, 25. Yeah. I'm going to go with either Back Issue Spotlight 123, uh, Future Imperfect, which I did with Sam, yep. or 128, the first six issues of the classic Checkmate series that I did with Eric, or 131 of the Three Jokers that I did with you. All right, cool. Each one of us gets our own little spotlight. All right. Yeah, it's fun talking with each of you guys. You come at it from different angles, different backgrounds and stuff. It's a lot of fun. All of the Back Issue Spotlights are fun to do. And uh, we'll try to get started on the Astro City stuff this year. Whether that's, again, it may be under a back issue spotlight, it's more likely to be an Astro City spotlight. And then it just comes down to how many issues do we do at a chunk? Yeah. And it may be that we set out to do, okay, we'll do these six. And if we've talked for too long on the first two, maybe the next become a different episode. So we'll, we'll figure that out as we go. Cool. 
And certainly if people have questions or comments about Astro City as we go, chime in. Well, my answer was actually a special one that we did, Blackest Night. It was mm. kind of cool to record with you and Sam at the same time. And so I, I had a lot of fun with that just because it was the three of us talking. We had a good time. We didn't even talk over each other that much, which was kind of cool. And I, it worked so well. I'm like, man, if you and Eric do a manga, I can even jump in there because I'm a fan now. <laughs> I will say that there are times in the editing that we did talk over, but I space it out so I can hear what's being said. Oh, all right. <laughs> Magic of editing. I love what you do. <laughs> all right, listener picks. Sam, on a selfish note, thoroughly enjoyed rereading and recording Blackest Night with the two of us. Yeah. Thanks us and really enjoyed that a great deal. Listening, his favorite was the one Eric and I did recording on Green Arrow Longbow Hunters. I enjoyed that too. That that was a good listen. Longbow Hunters was a really fun read with Eric. And yeah, I really enjoyed doing the Blackest Night stuff with you too. I hadn't reread that, I think, since it came out. Yeah, it was a fun read. And, and then it was kind of cool because there's three people and that's a rarity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, Nick's picks. Honestly, pretty much all the back issue spotlights are enjoyable. That's great to hear. Given my entry to modern comics was Flashpoint, I did enjoy that retrospective, especially hearing how John and James considered it in isolation from the other side stories. Man, I gotta say, reading just the five issues versus when I'd read the whole event in totality at the time, very different experience. Ah, cool. Nick's pick continues... His recommendation is to continue highlighting some recent independent publisher miniseries or first arcs like Gun Honey or Erratic. The format of your reviews lets you get better conversation going on about a whole run rather than a short mention in the Monthly Comic Spotlight. Very cool. Yeah, if as we're going through Monthly Comic Spotlight, if you guys want us at the end of a run to, to do a back issue spotlight on it, let us know. Yeah, if something sounds cool, Nick, just send us a message in the Slack. Since you're on Slack, I mean, I, I see you all the time, and we'll definitely... Get- Consider it or put it in, pencil it in sometime. Yeah. Okay, Comic Freak. It can't come as a surprise considering my answer to the book you wish more people read question, but it's Astro City Spotlight 1. Ah. Took a long time before this was recorded, especially since the series has been mentioned in various episodes through the years. I have done an Astro City Spotlight, but that was like way back in the day. So it's been 10, 12 years, 15 years since I've, I've read those first six. And if we're going to go in and, and now that they've got the Metro books coming out, go through the whole run, I want to start back at the beginning. And that's part of why I'm thinking a, a, an Astro City Spotlight series of episodes just makes sense. Yeah, it'd be fun. And that would slot in in place of a back issue spotlight. It'd essentially be the exact same thing, just with a different episode name. Yeah. It'd be a mega back issue <laughs> spotlight. We're not doing a whole damn Metro book. That's just not going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the thing that got me is I was going through my notes. There are now three different reading orders to Astro City. Yeah. The publish uh, order of the issues, the publish order of the trades, because they shift some issues around in those, and then of the Metro book, it's a different order yet again. Which is insane. I noticed that, and I'm like, huh, I get, is this the ultimate way to read it? I don't know. <laughs> I'm going to go with the order they were published. Yeah. And that may mean that at times it's like, okay, if you're following in the trades, you've got to go jump to this trade and then back to this trade or this Metro book to that Metro book to that Metro book. But yeah. Very interesting. Okay. Chris Myers, his favorite was The Death of Gwen Stacy, followed by Batman, Three Jokers, and Gun Honey. Ah, cool, cool. Those were all fun to do. I I think so too. And Dr. Moe, favorite one was Blackest Night. And for future possible ones, he's suggesting the Nightwing Huntress miniseries from 1998. Wow. That's an interesting one. I never read it. Was it good? I'm trying uh, to remember. This would have been the 
Helena Bertinelli Huntress, I think. And I'm trying to think who wrote that. I, I haven't read it for like 25 years. Yeah. Well, the next one I, I definitely read back in the day. <laughs> the next one. I- Spider-Man 2099. I'm assuming the classic stuff. Yeah, I, I read that. I loved it. Back in the day, I did. I, yeah. Now, I don't know. <laughs> it's from an era of comics. I don't know how well it holds up. It could it could age very poorly. Who knows? <laughs> it's not the particular material, but the storytelling style and also the production values. Yeah. Because I think it was early computerized coloring and some stuff like that. It's of the era that it's like you're flipping channels, you get to the indie station, they're doing something from the 70s, and you don't know what it is, but you know it's from the 70s. Yeah. <laughs> and then any volume of Young Avengers. Yeah, I'm cool with that. And too. we've talked about Young Avengers, so definitely some good ideas there. All right. On to question 12. It's a comic book page podcast uh, question. How do you participate in the comic book page community, Slack, Forum, Preview Spotlight, Book Club, Other? What would encourage you to participate more? Okay. I participate as much as pretty much anyone, I would think, besides being the co-host. I, I like being in touch and talking with the people that are part of our little community. And we have a cool group of, of people. We... we not a day goes by that I don't I don't check the Slack channel three or four times unless I'm super super busy. And you know, Brawlinator makes a comment about this, or even Mike Myers or Drew will go on there and make a comment about that. Sometimes Eric will. Sometimes you know Mike Myers or mm-hmm. or Sam or whoever and post stories or just talk about general comic stuff. And it keeps me fun and active. It's kind of like stopping by the comic shop back in the day where you just jaw with your friends and. This replaces that because I don't go to the comic shop. You guys are my comic shop. So I I feel like if you're not on the Slack, you should be there. If there's anything pressing, you should put it on the forum because that's locked and saved in there forever. The Slack channel stuff kind of disappears. The Slack is more for like just chatting with your buddies. The preview spotlight, that's the first thing I did was the forum and the preview spotlight. And I recorded the first several ones on my phone. And on my iPad with the little recording device, and I used to send John clips, and they were in the Apple format, and John converted them over to MP3s. So it's the easiest thing. You just pick up your phone. Everyone has a recorder on it. Just hit record, blah, 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 blah. I think you should read this. Send it to John. (laughs) Email it to him. And I would send it in WAV format. You remember when you used to get those WAV files? They were like, oh, yeah, they're big. Yeah. (laughs) I'd send him hundreds of megabytes, and he'd compress it. So don't do what I did, but. I, I had no technical sense. Now I use Audacity. It has an MP3 recording option. But I, I would say I do participate. I, I, I would I like to see more people participate. I, it makes it fun when more people do preview spotlights. It makes it more fun when people chat on the Slack. It makes it more fun when people uh, get to know each other. You know, just and there are other people like you who are listening. And you start to make friends just by going online and just saying, hey, my name's Joe. I'm from Wisconsin or wherever you're from. Mm-hmm. I like this. <laughs> and then before you know it, you've made 10 friends and we're all just chit-chatting about different things. Yeah. Yeah. We've all got something in common and that's comics. Yeah. You know, so I, I definitely would like people to get more engaged and certainly would love to get more voices on like the preview spotlight and stuff like that. I mean, the last episode was just about two hours. We also only had like five people contribute. Yeah. And I'm more than happy to break that into two parts if I need to, you know, do it as a Wednesday and Friday episode or something and I can bump the whatever the TV or movie thing would be a week because there's so many comics out there and so many different listeners. And there may be some people that are a particular fan of something that the rest of us are just not aware of. And if it gets a good sales pitch, 
could get us hooked on the stuff. Yeah. To your point on that, there's been things that we talked about tonight where people said, I really like this and I really like that. And I'm pretty sure they didn't send in a preview spotlight clip on that. And I'm not saying I'm not, that's not just to say anything bad about any of the people, but maybe they would have gotten me hooked on that and I would have purchased it if they would have told me at the time. Absolutely. And that's part of why I love doing these year end spotlights. That's where I learn about some stuff. I mean, what was the one we had about the, the manga superhero one? Oh, I can't remember the name of it, but it was, it's, it was a weird name, but it got me interested. I was like, gosh, where the heck is it? Shy. It was Shy, Shy Volume 1 from Dr. Mo. Never heard of it. <laughs> Didn't hit my radar at all. It seems like maybe I'd like it. Maybe I wouldn't. But, you know, that's the kind of thing that uh, a preview spotlight clip would have at least given me a, a reason to go check that page out in previews and, and figure out, should I get that or not? Exactly. I'm actually going online and looking up the Shy manga right now. So from Yen Press, honestly. So yeah, they usually keep stuff in stock. So I have that window up. So right after we're done, I'm going to remind myself to buy it. And maybe uh, shoot me a link after, All right. after we're done recording. For sure. Okay. So so my answer on how I participate in the comic book page community and, and what would I encourage uh, for participating more. Uh, I'm on Slack, the forum, the preview spotlight, the back issue spotlights, the monthly comic spotlight, the movie and television episodes, the roundtable discussions whenever those happen. I've been joining the book club lately. Oh, yeah. I do all the, the audio editing and stuff. That's That's... Honestly, it's not the least bit of fun, but it's worth doing. Otherwise, you'd be getting very quiet episodes or very loud episodes. If you'd listened to them before I edited them, you would thank me for it. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not going to say I'm the most prolific person on Slack or the forum or any of that stuff, but it does eat up a little bit of time to be, you know, recording and, and editing and releasing these episodes and stuff. And I'm happy to do it, but. Part of what I want out of that is engagement. And not just for me, it's not like an ego gratification thing or whatever, but I like talking about comics. I like talking with like-minded individuals about comics. That's not to say I need people to agree with me. I like it when they respectfully push back and offer different opinions and stuff. And I like to think that one of the services I'm providing out there for the comic book community is a fun, safe, respectful place for people to talk about comics. Yeah, I think you do. You've created, you've fostered a good community, and uh, I'm happy it's here. And uh, honestly, I'm happy you sent me the message on the forums when you were t- when mm-hmm. you asked me to be a co-host because that's how I got got to be picked to be the co-host. John sent me a private message on the forums. He didn't have my email address. He didn't have anything like that. So use the forums, use the Slack because if you don't use that, you can't be a future co-host. So <laughs> I'm hoping I don't need more future co-hosts. You're working uh, out great. So. Hey, I'm doing good. I'm not trying to bail on you, but I'm just saying. It's kind of cool. Like, that's how you found me. If I wouldn't have been on there, I wouldn't yeah. be here. Yeah. yeah. All right. On to the listener's picks. This is funny. Uh, Sam, yes. <laughs> okay. It's a how and a what would. It's like answering an either or of yes. It's like, this was an essay question kind of a thing. But Okay, fine. <laughs> he does participate. Sam, you, you win the award. Yes, you do participate. Yes. <laughs> he doesn't chime in necessarily left, right, and center, but he's he's active on the forum and more so on Slack, certainly in the book club and stuff. So yeah. And I will tell you this, if you ever post anything in the TV sub channel mm. on Slack, it's Sam within 15 minutes has an answer with numbers and ratings. It's insane, which yeah. is cool. I love that. He's like a walking encyclopedia of that stuff. He's got a ton of great knowledge in that area. And some of his knowledge on some of the history of, of comics, both what's on the page, what's behind the scenes and stuff. Really cool. Ton of fun. Yeah. All right. Nick, once a month on the forum for the previous spotlights. Thank you, Nick. And yes, I do enjoy your picks. Mm -hmm. 
and a few times a month on the Slack. And yeah, actually, I do see you every now and then on the Slack, and you're probably busy, but I appreciate you being on there. And I every time you do post, I appreciate it. So just post more if you can, and thank you for everything you do. Yeah, thanks. Comic Freak Eric, I sometimes respond on the Slack channel. That's true. I have sent him post. And of course, this post. <laughs> Which is greatly appreciated, of course. Yeah, and this was on the forum. So yeah, thank you very much. Uh, Chris Myers, I participate in the Slack channel discussion and the book club. That's a cool one to put in there. The book club is awesome. That's the most engaged you can be and the most fun. Mm-hmm. And now that DC Infinite Ultra has me closer to current, maybe I'll reappear on the previous spotlight. Yes! That'd be cool. Thank- Chris, please do that. Please, please, please. All right. Nicholas J., lack of time is the problem I have. Man, I, I wish I had a solution for that. Nicholas does chime in on the Slack. And I know he's even sent in a clip, I'm pretty sure, on the previous spotlight in the past. Yeah. And he doesn't comment. It's like once every now and then. But when he does, uh, my my eyes light up because I remember I'm like, that's my friend from Sweden. (laughs) Well, again, weighing in on the the stuff here is greatly appreciated. Yeah. Thank you very much. I really appreciate Nicholas. And then Dr. Mo, I plan to continue contributing as often as possible. The life gets in the way sometimes. And you are true to that. You do contribute a lot. Thank you very much, Dr. Mo. I'm looking for the rest of you, please. I would love to see some more Slack members because last year when we recorded this, we had like three or four people join the Slack immediately afterwards. Mm -hmm. And one plug I will put for our Slack. I know there's a lot of podcasts like um, 11 O'Clock Comics and iFanboy. They have Slack channels. You got to be a Patreon and you got to pay them X amount per month to be a member. Guess what? You join our Slack, it's free. There's no charge. You can come hang out with your friends as long as you're not being offensive. It doesn't cost you a dime. Otherwise, we don't want you there if you're going to be cursing and uh, berating other people. But other than that, we have a good time. We have a fun community. We, we all like each other. Yeah. If, if you're looking for an argument or just to get a rise out of people, look elsewhere. Yes. But if you're looking to have a, a fun, respectful discussion about comics and stuff like that, we'd love to have you. There is a manual component that I've got to do to get you into the, the Slack stuff and onto the forum and stuff. Uh, there are instructions on the front page of the website, comicpage.com. And if it's not happening fast enough, and sometimes it takes me till the evening or the next day to, to do that extra step or two, but that's to keep out spam bots and things of the sort. But if you, if it's not going fast enough, message me on, you know, email me or, or whatever, and, and I can get it going. Oh, come on. We love spam bots. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> there was one point where they were signing up for the forum at a crazy pace. Oh my gosh. Like, you know, Faster that I could get rid of them. Yeah, like, come so, on. <laughs> putting a simple question or two for, you know, answer this to get in, and then, you know, I've still got to approve it and stuff. Took care of all that. That's awesome. All right. Next question. This is a, a very open-ended one, essay question, of course. What suggestions do you have for the Comic Book Page podcast? And I'm going to I'm gonna start with this. Really, for me, I, I just like it if listeners found ways to engage with the community. Again, I'd like to get more voices on the preview spotlight, more questions for the monthly comic spotlight and the back issue spotlights, more discussions going on on Slack if it's kind of an in-the-moment thing, or on the forum if it's something like we're trying to you know, build up a good reading list for this or something that you want to be able to find later on, so different places for different things or whatever. So yeah, I'd love for listeners to, to get more engaged. I know we've got a ton more listeners out there than we have active in the community. I, I Yeah, you've told me the downloads and the number of listeners we have, and it's insane versus the number of people we have on the Slack and on the forums and stuff like that. 
I would say pretty much the same thing. It's 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 engagement. I my in my perfect future for the comic book page community, we'd have a hundred to two hundred members. We we have almost at a hundred members on the Slack channel, but not all of them are really using it that much. Some are logged on, but you don't see them post. But maybe once a year. But I would love to see a couple hundred people on there posting frequently, and because then John had a cool idea. You know, when DC going digital, Marvel having a digital platform, he's like. I potentially could even set up a thing where we could have voting on Marvel Unlimited or DC Infinite Ultra where people could vote for like what you know our next review is for a back issue spotlight. Mm-hmm. But but you got to have a lot of people engaged. You don't have like the same five people and you get five votes and they're all for something different, you know? Or if if there's two choices and there's only two people voting and they both want the other thing, it doesn't really work. You want to have, you know, th- at least 40 50 people voting and see who wins, you know, or what book wins. I think it could be really kind of cool where, hey, get engaged. What do you want us to review? But you got to be engaged to do it. So if you're just listening, we don't know what you really want. Give us feedback. Tell us what you're looking from for from us as a co-host and as a host to make it better for you. Well, think of it this way. Engagement drives content. It really does. I've got <laughs> a number of things that I've I've started developing for the website and just never actually, you know, put live or, or completed or whatever. I mean, one of them is a release timeline for everything in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, TV yeah. shows, movies, and stuff like that. Now, I haven't filled out what are the key events or whatever of each one or whatnot. And I, it's the kind of thing. I don't know if people would really be interested in that or not. I mean, there's tons of places on the internet to find some of this information, and it would be a bit of work to keep it relatively current and odds are it would get out of date until somebody said, hey, go update it. And it's like, oh yeah, I should do that. But again, engagement drives content. If I know there is an audience for this and it's worth my time to do, I'm more likely to find the time and do it. Yeah. Let's get a hundred of my Conan friends friends on the Slack channel saying, Conan, Conan, we'll make it happen. John's not happy about that. I'm not going to do any kind of a timeline for Conan. I don't know the content, but I could facilitate somebody else doing it, though. That's true. I'm just teasing you. So, yeah. All right. Let's see what the listeners have to say. Yeah. Uh, Nick's picks keep being great. Seriously, thanks to John, Kay, James, and Sam for curating a nice variety of content each month. Glad you're enjoying it. Thanks. Comic Freak, Jeff John's Green Lantern Run, or... Batman Hush or Bendis' switch to DC Dark Horse. All three are interesting runs. Uh, reboot of the Green Lantern, Jim Lee art on Batman. After years of ruling over Marvel's comic division, Bendis took a chance uh, to try the same with other publishers. I'm not sure how this applies to the question. So, yeah. Okay. I, it's cool. good stuff. We've done Hush as a both a book club and the back issue spotlight. And Green Lantern. Yeah, I, mean, I, I wonder if it was like meant to be on a different thing, like suggestions for future things. I don't know. Uh, oh, suggestions for books. So he probably took it as what suggestions do you have? Oh. Uh, so he's saying, oh, okay, so that makes sense. All got right. it. He's thinking back as your spotlights. Hey, honestly, I'm down for that Green Lantern run, so just FYI. <laughs> it's a big run, but I'm down for it. It's a huge run. And, and Batman Hush, we already did with yeah. a book club and a back issue. So that one is done. Yeah, yeah. And we did, yeah. We did uh, Hush not too long ago. All right. Chris Myers. Only advice is to keep up the great work you do. Thank you. Appreciate that. Thanks, Chris. Nicholas J. The TV seasons and movie podcasts are great. Thanks for calling that out. Those are ones that are are fun to do, but a bit of a time sink because, I mean, even some of these shorter TV seasons, that's usually two evenings worth of viewings at least, plus, you know, editing it and 
prepping the episodes for release. So I'm glad people are enjoying those. There are a couple I feel are a little more indulgent than others, but none so far off the beaten path that they feel out of place. But yeah, so appreciate that. Dr. Mo, bring back the roundtable discussions episodes occasionally. Yeah, we need to do one of those with Eric on the industry. Or just in general. Or you and I, yeah, just talking about stuff with Sam, too. One of the things that would prompt those is some really good discussion uh, springboards. Yeah, give us some ideas what you guys want us to talk about. Dr. Mo, give us some ideas. And this is something that the forum might be a really good place to do it, and then you could link to it in Slack. That way you can get the immediate feedback, but there's also a place we could go find it later. And you want to know what I love about those episodes? We get to hear opposing viewpoints on things. Mm -hmm. We get to go back and forth a little bit. And it doesn't take a ton of prep other than you want to know what the heck you're talking about is on the subject, but you, you have your opinions formulated. You're presenting your opinions, maybe getting some pushback and discussing where, where we think it should go. It's not like you're having to read X amount of material. Yeah. I, I love those roundtables. No, and that's the kind of thing with a really good question of uh, a few sentences to really position it could really prompt a, a, a fun discussion. So I'd definitely be game for that. Please, Doctor Mo, give us some ideas. And I've I've got a few too, but I I want to I, I want this is where engagement drives content. I've got ideas. I don't know if you guys want to hear what we have to say on them though. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Let's have a round table on the on the My Little Pony franchise. Nobody wants to listen to that. <laughs> well, maybe somebody does. I don't know. I think it'd be a short episode from my standpoint. <laughs> what is it? Oh, why are we here? <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Just kidding again. This is the point where I get delirious in these recordings. We're almost done. Yeah, we're, we're almost there. We're this, at the finish line this now. This is the last question. Question 14. All right. Other additional comments. And the only comment I had is I wanted to, once again, I usually do this one in the previous spotlight. Thank you, John, for everything you do. Thank you for creating this community. And thank you for the editing and the time you put forward. Because this was always my favorite podcast when I first got into comic book podcasts. With the weekly comic spotlight, I used to listen to that, and that got me hooked. And I've been here ever since, and now I feel like I belong. I feel like I've mm -hmm. known these guys for years. And then I also wanted to thank all the people who do participate, the people who answer the questions here, yeah, and the people who are on the Slack. Even if it's just you know, like for whatever, you know, they'll, they'll post pictures. Oh, I'm on vacation. Blah blah blah. It's cool. I see Marvin. You know, Viking Joker hiking somewhere. Mm -hmm. Or Dr. Moe said, oh, did you know there's a new Avengers lineup? Oh, cool. I, I didn't know that. Go to the spoiler section. Okay, cool. And he posted. You guys are my friends. So I, I'd rather talk to you guys than go to a new site. You guys make it fun. And I really do appreciate every one of you that does participate and join in with my friends. Well, and the other one we really got to call out on that is uh, Brawlinator for hosting the uh, book club on his Zoom channel and stuff. Brawlinator, big time. Thank you so much for hosting it with your Zoom. Yeah, you are awesome, dude. Yeah, I've I've really been enjoying the book club lately and such. And it's the kind of thing that if, if you just want to come and listen or whatever, that's fair too. Uh, there have been a couple of times I feel like I've maybe dominated the conversation and such. Other times I'm happy to just sit back and listen. Yeah. I'm sure there's somebody laughing wildly at that last statement, because I'm sure I don't shut up that often, but still. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, for me, I just want to thank the listeners for listening. Wouldn't be doing a podcast if, if I didn't have listeners. I usually don't talk about download stats and any of that kind of stuff. I will say we hit a new high water mark for completed download stats on a single episode this last year. Oh, wow. Which, you know, 
some episodes do better than others. I've got one or two. One that I know I botched the release of. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I messed that one up. But I haven't found a good way to kind of get it back into the stream. It's like, if, if people want to go find it, great. If not, oh well. Others where, again, like I said, one of them hit a new high watermark for completed downloads. Stats on, on podcasts are typically done with a first seven days of release. You know, what are those numbers? And then there's two ways you can count it. One is a completed download, like somebody grabbed the whole thing. And the other is partial downloads, where they're getting it like in chunks or whatever. Okay. And that's a little harder to, to calculate and such. And I'm not going to claim the way I'm doing the calculations are exactly the way the standard is, but it's, it's pretty close. I don't pay tons of attention to this stuff, though. But I have found a place that gives kind of a barometer of, you know, what's a, a top 10%, a top 5%, a 1%, or, you know, 50% mark of, you know, what are those podcasts doing? And I'm, I'm happy with the numbers we've got. And for some episodes that have done, you know, much better than a, a, the average or whatever, some of those have, have gotten into, you know, very, very good numbers. Now, what, what, I'm not, what's the best one? I'm not going to tell you that because honestly, it oh. doesn't matter. Okay. It's it's one of those that I'll have one episode that does great, and sometimes it carries over to the next. Sometimes it doesn't. Ah, oh, it, right. it it bounces left, right, and center. You know, who left their pod catcher? You know, on overnight, who didn't? Kind of a thing. Okay, cool. So I I don't drive too much off those numbers because they they fluctuate a bit. But overall, I'm I'm doing pretty well. I know the listenership I've, or the download ship, I should say, that I've got. I know the engagement level I've got, and I, I, I'd like to get more people engaged. Not to say you've got to be, you know, 24-7 on the Slack channel or anything of the sort, but I don't know you're out there if you haven't spoken up. Yeah. You know, I can't give you the kind of content you may be interested in if I don't know what that is. So, again, more engagement would be nice. Very true. Well, on to our listeners. Last yeah. comments. All right. Nick. I wish everyone a happy, healthy, and satisfying 2023. Right back at you, bud. Yeah. If you haven't submitted a monthly previews clip in the past, make it a New Year resolution to send one in this year. Thank you. And I always have fun recording mine and hearing what everyone else is excited about each month. It is super easy to use my phone's voice recording app and upload those recordings to John via the Dropbox link. And, And his suggestion of make a New Year's resolution to send in one this year, that's very doable. Just one. Just one over the course of the year. Now, obviously, yeah. I'd like more. But if you just do one, if if a meaningful percentage of the listeners did that, we'd have a ton of new voices every month on average. Yeah. Yeah. That would be awesome. Just one. And everyone can do one. And then it becomes addicting. You'll want to do more. <laughs> All right. Drew, by February, good Lord willing, the creek don't rise. The Comics for Fun and Profit reaches episode 800 and 10 years of shows. I got my start here at the comic book page, so I guess John is a little to blame, or you have him to thank, depending on your view of the Comics for Fun and Profit. I'm going to go with, thanks, John. Hope you're still having fun doing yours. Wow, almost 800 episodes, because February is just around the corner here. 10 years. Great job, Drew. And not only Drew, but uh, Kyle and and Jason, too. Yeah. I mean, Jason's been doing a ton of, of interviews over there and stuff. And there have been so many podcasts that come and go. So for, for Drew to keep it going, I don't know if he's done it necessarily each and every week, but he's kept it going. And I don't know if any long stretches it dried up. So great. Congratulations and, and good job as you reach 800. Yeah. Good job. Good. And congratulations. Yeah. Now, Chris Myers, John, I want to thank you for making the Slack channel possible. It's provided me with a hanging, hanging out in the comic store experience, but in a digital format. 
I especially like the book club channel. It's really fun to be able to get together and chat about the things we care so much about. Here's to a bigger and better comics reading in 2023. Very cool. Now, really, Eric uh, Calabunga is the one to thanks for getting the Slack channel set up. He he did that. He had messaged me uh, a couple of years back saying, hey, would you mind if? And I'm like, oh, I don't know how to do it. If you want to do it, sure. It's worked out great. I'm, I, you know, a lot of the stuff that had been over on the forum migrated over to Slack, but it makes sense. It's a better conversational forum uh, or a venue for that, I should say. Not a forum because we had a forum. Still do. So, yeah, I'm really enjoying the Slack channel and how it's it's grown the community in, in a lot of respects. And again, the book club, hanging out with people is a ton of fun. It does have me wondering if there's any interest in doing what we had been doing years back of the monthly teleconference. We'd done it over Skype, but I think Zoom would make sense in the more modern age. Or we get together once a month and just hang out for a little bit. I'm cool with that because at the beginning of every book club, we kind of just shoot the breeze for 30 minutes. Mm -hmm. And that's really fun too. Just hanging out with everyone. Oh, what are you reading? Before you know it, Brawl Anator's pulling out this big book. Check this out, what I picked up. <laughs> and we're off to the races. And I'd be game for, for hosting a, a Zoom call you know, once a month or whatever if I know people are going to show up. But I, stopped, I would show up. I stopped doing the Skype one because I'd be allocating a, a weekend a month or a weeknight, a, you know, a night a month. I We did it on Saturdays at one point, Fridays at others. And the Fridays meant canceling on my sister that night for TV and such. And to do that and have one person show up or nobody, it's like, that's that's why that stopped. Again, engagement drives content. Yeah, demoralizing. Yeah. So if, if there's a an interest in that, great. If the book club fills that bill, I'm happy with that too. Yeah. Let us know. Tell us on the Slack or the forums or somehow. <laughs> yeah. All right. Nicholas, I still buy lots of comics, but I don't have time to read all of them when they come. Often I save up three to four months of a title and binge read. That's the best way to do it, honestly. <laughs> you know, I've really gotten into the bad habit of reading most of my comics for the month in one setting shortly before the monthly comic spotlight. Wow. Interesting. I have not even touched the January comics and we're here late in the month. Which is why your memory's fresher in mine. I'm like, what, I, what did I read four weeks ago? Oh, yeah. <laughs> that makes sense now. Ah. Yeah, I also don't read ahead. That helps too. Yeah, I'm already reading the February stuff when we're uh, I keep doing it to myself, too. It's like I see work coming in. I see the stack, and it's growing. I have to read it. <laughs> All right. But I have liked most of my Marvel stuff this year, She-Hulk, Silk, and the end of Amazing Spider-Man early in the year. New volume of Amazing Spider-Man haven't really got me quite as hooked yet. Yeah. I can understand that because of the time jump and everything changed. Yeah. He said Star Wars is good, Crimson Rain, Vader, and Dr. Aphra favorites. The Eternals was a nice read that ended wildly with the Age of Judgment also with good stuff. If you have to put everything back together when you're done, why tear everything down in the first place? The 12-issue maxi-series, The Marvels, also nice. More Black Cat, Mary Jane, yes please. Who needs Peter? <laughs> Who needs Parker? Captain Marvel, also good. May even last for 50 issues this time. X-Men Unlimited, X-Men Green was really nice with Nature Girl versus Wolverine. It was interesting. Yep. I don't usually read Punisher, but I tried the new direction and are following it still. From Image, not much. Magic Order 2 was okay. Have to mention Monstrous OFC? Of course. Oh, of course. Okay, I'm like, what? I'm like, OFC? All right. I'm guessing on that. I don't speak lead or whatever this is. Of course, yeah. Even I have been saving issues for a nice binge dive later. Very cool. I'm, you gave us a whole heck of a lot. Thanks, Nicholas. Yeah, ton of stuff. 
And then last but not least, Dr. Mo. Thanks to John and the other contributors for continuing to provide enjoyable episodes. You are welcome, sir. Thank you for engaging. Yeah, thanks for the great feedback, everybody, and participating in this. I I know it's a bunch of questions, less so this year than in the past, but getting everybody's input and stuff. I mean, I've got a few things I may need to check out to read and such. Do you have any additional comments, or do you want me to give kind of my tally of, of the numbers of episodes for the year? The only comment I have is, this is much more manageable, and I, I did have fun recording it, even last year, even though it was so long. But this was a little more manageable and fun, and uh, I, I like doing it with you. So uh, I, I'm here for another year, at least. Awesome. That's good <laughs> to hear. Again, we've been recording for almost three hours now, so not as short as I was originally thinking it could be, but I'm great with the length. So probably more than one episode, but we'll find out when I edit. And for me, the fewer questions made filling out the, the answers so much easier for me. So that's a win in my book. It really did. Yeah. Now, the episode tally for 2022 came out with 118 episodes for a total of 96 hours, 36 minutes, and 19 seconds or thereabouts. Wow. That's over four days of content. 12 of those were preview spotlights. 25 of those were back issue spotlights. 33 of them were television spotlights. 13 of them were monthly comic spotlights. Now, those of you doing the math saying, but there were only 12 months. You are indeed correct, but we split the June one into two episodes due to vacation, travel, etc. Oh, yeah. 14 movie spotlights, 12 Legion spotlights, six episodes of the yearly comic spotlight, hopefully fewer this time. Only two roundtable discussions. One was episode 2000 and the other was the crisis Q&A. So definitely we should be doing some more of those. And then one collector spotlight. I've gotten some more boxes for another one of those. I just haven't gotten around to opening those with my sister and recording on those. Those are a little more editing work than the usual. There's a lot of dead air that boils out of that as we're crinkling the plastic, unwrapping things. So that is fewer hours than most years, actually. Wow. Part of that is having gone to the the two episodes most weeks versus three most weeks in many past years. Yep. Some of it is some of the episodes are intentionally shorter episodes. The Legion spotlights are averaging 30, 40 minutes thereabouts. I'd love more feedback on those. Are people enjoying them? Should I pick up the pace? Should I not? Again, engagement drives content, you know? I enjoy them. So I'm having a lot of fun doing them, and I know uh, Jason Z is giving some some good feedback on them, so I enjoy that. Of course, he's the one where I usually get up Monday morning, and as often as not, he's already got a comment in the Slack channel. By the time I've sat down, I'm I'm you know grabbing breakfast and stuff, and I'm looking at it. And he's already got feedback on the episode that went up that morning. Yeah, he's he's yeah he loves those episodes. <laughs> I think that's awesome. I love that, and I don't expect everyone to be that fast on the the get go. I as a listener, I certainly wouldn't be, but that's the kind of thing that keeps the episodes coming out. Yeah, yeah, he he's definitely passionate about the Legion. Yeah, well, and just he's done it for like Life Story, one we just came out with, yep. and, and a number of others. So it's not just the Legion and such. Very true. He he's a, he's a great listener. Yeah. So, again, I hope everyone had a good 2022. I think the comics, there was some great stuff. There was others that was just out there. Hopefully, 2023 gives us a lot more great content. Hopefully, it's a better year than I think a lot of us fear it it could be with some, some warning signs of financial problems and such like that. If you've got suggestions on how we should change up the survey for the next yearly comic spotlight, let us know. Otherwise come, you know, November, I'll be looking at this saying, well, I'm going to take this and 
I'll make whatever changes I make to it and go with that. But I definitely would like more feedback. And don't think that this is a, a once-a-year opportunity for feedback. I am open to it year-round. And again, uh, would love to get more engagement with the listeners. Definitely. Anything else? No, that does it for me. Cool. Recording clips for the preview Spotlight episodes is easy, and we've got an open submission policy for these episodes. Please send in clips to support the comics you love as often as you can. If you'd like to get email reminders for the preview Spotlight episodes, you can join the emailing list on the main page of the comicbookpage.com website. The deadline is typically the second Saturday of the month at 9 a.m. Check the main page of the website for more information and the exact deadline for the next preview Spotlight. The show notes and forum for this podcast can be found at www.comicbookpage.com under the podcast and forum sections of the website. Please email us at theguys at comicbookpage.com and let us know what you think of what was discussed in this episode. Thanks for listening.